Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello everyone, welcome back to Ausbiz. It's great to have your company for the next hour. You've tuned in to the call, 10 stocks picked by you. I put those 10 stocks to two experts on our panel here. We do it all in one hour, live from our Barangaroo studios. Let's welcome the team today. Tim Haslam from Catapult Wealth in beautiful Adelaide. Uh, how are you, Tim? You're well? Yeah, great, mate. Everything's going good over here in Adelaide. So. Good. Uh, he would... Earlier, he was um, sort of spruiking Adelaide property as being so affordable. And I have lots of friends who have moved down there for that for that very reason. Uh, Rudy Philippek Van Dyke from FN Arena. How are you, mate? I'm not here to, to spruik any property. Uh, not here to spruik property. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> We're happy to have you here as well. Let's get straight into it because we've got a lot to get through today. Um, first five stocks this first half hour of the program. Pushpay, Red Five, Domino's, Newix, Coronado Global Resources, all on the agenda for the first 30 minutes. But uh, I always throw in a stock of the day. It's the start of AGM season. And uh, thought we'd have a look at Baby Bunting. Its share price being absolutely hammered today to a two and a half year low. After the retailer saw margins contract in the past quarter, the business saw sales growth of 12% between July and October and like-for-like like sales growth of 7.6%. Look at that, down 25% just today. Um, now, we've been sort of talking about the upcoming AGM season a lot here on the call because uh, none of Australia's major companies, or very few of them, gave guidance when they reported for the June financial year. A lot of analysts wanting some guidance uh, and more up-to-date results in the annual general meeting season. Baby Bunting, a really popular um, retailer uh, amongst analysts. Uh, Rudy, is this a uh, precursor of things to come with retailers? Um, it doesn't have to be with retailers, to be honest. Um, no. If we take a quick quick uh, look into the United States, we have quite some international companies warning or disappointing yep. or downgrading uh, guidances, the likes of Nike, Apple, Tesla, FedEx. Um, I guess this is, uh, this is not a good opening to the, to the season. We, no. as, as you said earlier, I, I am particularly quite worried about the, the earnings outlook for the next 12 months, yep. and particularly the next six. Yep. I think uh, February next year, um, hopefully, is the low in the cycle. But between now and then, a lot can happen. Yep. Uh, you're right in saying this is widely regarded as one of the, let's call it, the more resilient. One of the best. One of the resilient. Uh, of uh, the re well, when when uh, panelists here on the call talk about retailers, they they go, oh, we like Universal Store in La Visa because it gets to a younger demographic yes. that don't have a mortgage. Uh, mm. That's fine. Mm. And baby bunting. 
who's going to yes. Um, yes. cut costs yeah. on a new baby. Yeah. So that should be resilient. Yeah. But this it is showing but it maybe not. But it also shows you that it's not just about the top line. Yeah. I mean, and that, that this is also what, 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 for example, what has held back this year the, the supermarket operators in Australia. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're battling with, 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 uh, with costs. Mm. And if you can't uh, isolate the costs and, 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 and temper it, then you get, you get big disappointment. So you're looking at margins. Well, yeah. it, is, it is basically, the, yeah. The, the, so if, if you have the discount in price, which I'm assuming uh, Baby Bunting doesn't have to, yeah. <coughs> that's one positive. But if, if the costs are still weighing on margins, then obviously the 12% the increase in the top line is, yeah. uh, is not enough to compensate. And there will be, this will be one of the themes, I think, between now and February as well right. for a lot of companies. So it becomes down the Mainly ability- Mainly retailers or no, generally industrials? Uh, absolutely, right. absolutely. But, I mean, if we go back a few months before the August reporting season, the big disappointment came from the, from the gold producers, yep. I mean, which had a similar problem. Top line not growing in their case, and costs just I mean, uh, no. can't keep costs uh, limited. So see, all the share prices are, are pretty low for gold producers. Yeah. That's one of the problems for supermarket operators had a problem. So in times of inflation, it's not just a top line that counts. You have to you have to right. watch uh, what what comes from the bottom. Yeah. So I would still I mean, if if you if you if you're interested, I would still think that um, after a shellacking like today someone with a long-term view can, can snap this up. And, ah, and so you'd see it as a buyer for oh the yeah, yeah. This, 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 is, this is, I mean, if you take a longer-term view, right. they are still the number one in that particular segment. And right. I don't think that uh, we're going to have s s no more babies. Right. Um, so they will ride the ship at some point, um, but you may have to be um, patient. And But you know what helps? Big dividend yield. Yeah. And these guys have a big dividend yield, okay. particularly after today. Yeah, 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 okay. Uh, Tim, what do you think of baby bunting and the uh, the update today at the AGM? Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is sort of a, a delayed reaction. This kind of had to happen at some point, right, where, you know, the, the households and you know, the spending pulls back a bit. Um, you know, baby bunting it was really a, a darling of the smaller mid-caps and trading on a really high multiple. It's just sort of now pulling back to normal ranges. Um, you know, the, the number of stores open was only two. That's a big hit to their growth rate. Um, I recently had a son and we did go to baby bunting a lot um, to my chagrin at the start, but we just started using more and more Facebook marketplace to get secondhand stuff because it's just so much more cost effective. And I think a lot of households will do that as inflation bites and as things slow down. So certainly I agree on the long term, this is definitely a buy. Could have some more downside in it a little bit, but um, on the current multiples, it looks good. I'd have it as a buy, just, okay. just wait it out and it's a good long term hold. So Tim, does this mean you're reassessing all of the retail sector at the moment? Does this, does Baby Bunting's update today spook you at all with some of your favourite retailers? And you think, oh God, is this going to be the theme? I think some of them have been hit really hard already. Like, so yeah, for example, have. like West Farmers already, that's already taken a quite a beating. Uh, but, you know, the once the, the fixed rate mortgages drop off and everyone goes to variable, I think we're going to have this flow through, just like we're seeing through the US. Right. Uh, you know, the iPhone sales being down, all that sort of stuff. It is coming through, so earnings downgrades are likely. Right. So, Rudy, do you, do you stay clear of retailers at the moment? Oh, I've been cautious for for quite a while. Yeah. Um, I, I I do own uh, a stock like West Farmers. Right. Uh, ultimately, I mean, it's very difficult to to have a company that is completely. 
separated from consumer spending. Yeah, yeah. Most of them have a link somehow yeah. to the housing yeah. market or consumer spending. But yes, I've been cautious uh, for, 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 for a long while now. And in particular, after a heavy profit warning like, uh, like baby bunting, um, if you have quite some exposure, you would, you would revisit now. And, and right. Because it's very unlikely they're going to be the only one. Yes. And, and there's this old Wall Street saying that a profit warning is never fully priced in. Right. Um, so even if some share prices look cheap, uh, they can still get cheaper. Right. Yep. In no, particular, if bad point. news hits. Yep. All right. Let's look at the, the stocks that you want us to, to look at today. And uh, first up, Phil wants a view, Tim, on PushPay, the, uh, the church um, donation and management system, the New Zealand tech business that... Um, sort of is uh, a software management system that goes into particularly the big evangelical churches in the United States. Uh, what do you think of Push Park? Uh, very, very interesting stock. Uh, yeah. you know, two days ago I had it as, as a buy and now obviously they've, they've, there's rumours of a, another takeover coming back on so the share price has jumped up. So these guys, they get money from subscription fees from churches and they get a processing fee from donations. They do record keeping and event management a little bit of stuff for non-for-profit education, but not really. Mostly in the US, market cap of 1.1 billion, not too bad. Um, with this takeover uh, um, coming back from the dead, the share price hasn't jumped up quite as much. Um, there was rumors, you know, $1.40, $1.30, so potentially good upside. I generally don't like to gamble, you know, after the offer or the rumors come through already, but I reckon I reckon this is not, not looking too bad. This, this looks like a buy to me. So. No, this this long-term shift to digital donation makes perfect sense. Um, they're expecting annual operating um, revenue growth of 10 to 15 percent, trading right. on around 22 times, 22 and a half times, um, and they're moving in on the Catholics. Huge addressable market, so pretty good business um, and very good margin, 20 percent EBIT margins. Yeah, look at that, eight bucks to a dollar. I know. Um, <laughs> and well, it dropped dropped after COVID came in because yes. all, all the churches were closed and things like that. Yeah. So. Well, the eight dollars shows you what what market exuberance can do to yep. a share price. Yeah, yeah. What do you uh, think the, the one dollar is uh, probably more more realistic. I right. Think. Well, they are moving into the Catholic territory now. I believe. <laughs> uh, I'm a little bit different from uh, from from Tim. I, I've I've never really warmed towards them, right. but having said so, um, I can see the attraction. It's it's a profitable business. They are growing. They have potential, and and they're they're here. Um, not really trading on, on high multiples for for technology stocks. Mm. Um, however, I mean, um, I, I, I remain of the view that um, we, we may see further weakness in, in, in the NASDAQ because of the, the megatech stocks there. And that will somehow always weigh on, on, on those companies right. as well. Um, history also shows that yes, while the story is, the narrative is really, really looks interesting, uh, they do have hiccups. And that's why the share price is where it is. And, and, yeah. and you can tell uh, outside of that big big rise out of exuberance, the share price actually hasn't performed that yeah. well over time. I prefer, in, in times like these, I prefer to go for, for, for more for the quality than for the value. Um, so I, I'm happily paying up for, for a Technology One or an Objective Corp or even a, a ProMedicus um, because I think in the long run they are better businesses, better positioned. Right. Yep. Uh, even though they may, the share price may not be as cheap as this one, uh, but cheap share prices don't always perform. Yep. and it's still a bear market. So yep. for me, it would be a hold at best. Right, a hold if you've got it because you've uh, gone down a fair way and it's had a spike up. Because, it, because it, looks, it does look cheap, 
And, yep. uh, and, and, and if at some point uh, the market has a big rally, then share prices like this one, they, they often participate yep. in the rally. Uh, but I have, I have my doubts longer term. Okay. All right, Megan wants a view, uh, Rudy, on Red 5, the, uh, the gold explorer. Um, ah, the, these guys are turning into a producer now. A producer, <laughs> yeah, they've just come into a yes, producer, yes. haven't they? Interesting that this one, this one is on the list. Uh, I think, um, I mean, first, first observation, gold producers have not performed in Australia, and that's an under, that's a understatement. Yep. I mean, there's so many people have been disappointed uh, this year. Everyone who bought into the buy protection for inflation, yep. they're, they're still waiting and, and probably uh, uh, eating up their their their, uh, their certificates because it hasn't done anything. There is a there is a valid strategy in that if you pick a gold producer that only has one asset and then starts producing, uh, the, the, the gains can be no less than enormous. Like ah. can, you can really have 100, 200%. On the assumption that nothing yeah. untowards happens. And unfortunately, in 50% of the cases, that <laughs> Something it's easier happens. said than done right. to, to ramp up your mind. So again, bear market, for me, it's too high a risk profile. Yep. But I do see the, 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 uh, the logic of now having some exposure to gold because at some stage, bond yields mm. will peak, the US dollar will fall, and the Federal Reserve will stop yep. hiking. Gold will probably take off by then, in particular the producers. Yep. So I would prefer something like a Northern Star now right. because you get a big dividend yield, share price is low, yep. and you can wait because yep. in the meantime, you just get your dividends. The Australian dollar gold price is pretty high at the moment, isn't yes, it? Yes, but it does. It's not reflected in the, because yeah. there's an international uh, phenomenon yeah. hanging yeah, on. Yeah. But at some stage, well, hopefully dividends. At will some be high. exactly at some stage, exact timing unknown, that sector yeah. will lift. Right. And and I think you're you're always better off in waiting in the in the. So you always tell me. Yes. When you got to play commodity cycles, yes, gold is you a buy commodity. Them when they're low. You buy when they're low, and no yes. one's doing it like you're saying yes. now. Yes. You buy them when they're low. Right. And Which that's is what now. you do. By the way, we can have a whole discussion about whether gold is a commodity. Well, <laughs> Some okay. people would say okay. it's a currency, but anyway. Oh, okay. But anyway, it, right. it, it has a commodity aspect of it. Well, the principle is still the same. You buy them when they're out of favour. Okay, so no red five. But, but I would go Northern Star. But Northern Star yeah. at this stage. Uh, Tim, what do you think of, uh, first of all, red five, and then the gold sector um, all up, generally? Um, I agree with what he's saying. I, I'd put it on a hold. Um, I generally like the idea of buying gold miners, but red five, it doesn't make sense that you would buy red five over the bigger players. Um, I will say, you know, this, this new King of the Hill production that's just, just gone into commercial production on 5th of June, the, the, clearly analysts are betting big on this stock. So I'd say it looks about fair value, but they've recently done a big placement, a $60 million placement off a market cap of 425 million. That's huge. So they've got 2.3 billion shares on, on offer. I, I just think that you know, floating around, it just doesn't really make sense to, to buy now. Um, I, I'm quite happy to hold back and wait. If, I guess if you're already in it, you can just sit there. But yeah, like like, um, like Rudy said, all the big ones look like a safer bet than this one to me. 2.3 billion shares on offer. Oh, yeah, on issue, sorry. On, on issue. Blimey, that's a lot of shares, isn't it? You'd think they'd be going through a consolidation fairly quickly. But um, if they're up and going... Um, Nick wants a view, uh, Tim, on Domino's. The uh, not only Domino's pizzas here in Australia, but also they're in Europe, Japan, sort of a lot of different franchises around the world. 
Um, Domino's a uh, bit of a controversial one. I've, I've got it on hold. It, it's just coming into interesting range now, but I, I just I wouldn't jump on it yet. Obviously, it was very, very overpriced uh, previously. Um, you got 3,200 stores across the world. Um, it, it had a bit of a techie valuation with their uh, operations delivery modernization, and that just it just got smashed, obviously, on, on interest rate and execution um, risks. So to me, it's two stories. It's either how can you continue to sell cheap pieces when wages and, and energy costs and food costs are going up, or as people struggle uh, and as, as real wages fall, well, maybe people go back to cheap pizza and, and maybe they can keep rolling out stores. So for us, you know, they're, they're obviously having a margin pressure come down. Maybe there's a little bit more into it. Um, at the current valuations, looks pretty good. It's had a huge price drop, right? Hmm. Trading on a P around 25 times. I just think the momentum is still down. I just think just, just hold off. And if it keeps coming off, then you might just slowly average into it. But right now, I've got it as a hold. Right. Rudy? Hi. You've got a buy on dollar. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I slightly disagree with, um, I mean, <clears throat> yes, the share price has come off a lot, but I would, I would say that's predominantly uh, bond yields working there. Right. Uh, that's, that's simply how the market works. I mean, bond yields up, uh, high PE stocks down. I think Domino's is still a high growth stock. Uh, the only thing that you, that you have to take into account is the volatility. And because this, this stock gets popular, overpopular, then falls out of favor. The volatility along the way is absolutely enormous. Yeah. Uh, and well, and Jesus and had a popular and uh, even if $180 if, even dollar if, high. Yeah, exactly. Even if you go beyond the past two years, the, the volatility always has been quite really, really yeah. high in that stock. So you have to have a stomach for the volatility. But I think um, this is I mean, undeniably one of the Australian success stories. They actually perform yeah. better than the original company in the United States, I mean, which yeah. is on, on its way in sometimes offloading their, their non-performing assets to these guys. And, yeah. and, and the trick is, I mean, that, that you build a network and then you get as much synergies out of that network and you, get, you keep your margins yeah. high. And, and, and I've been surprised, just like anyone else, when these guys go to France and to Italy and, and sell pizzas, I mean? Uh, I think they've now withdrawn from Italy, but yes, I was always right. surprised <laughs> that we go to Italy. I mean, um, you're not going to sell ice to the, to the Eskimos, come no, on. That's right. um, but they are doing a really good job in, 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 in getting people, and maybe the whole thing about, about pizza, I mean, it's, I like pizzas with a very small crust, and, and right. I mean they, they stuff it full with, with, uh, with cheese, and, and, right. and you name it. And somehow, um, I mean, I picked somewhere up that their, their offering is about 30% cheaper than the competition, yep. which is part of their attraction, but it also means that they are much better positioned to deal with inflation. Mm. I mean, they can increase their prices and still have a, yeah. an advantage over the competition. So they are ideally priced, I would say, from the moment bond yields uh, top out and, and start falling, this share price will fly. Right, okay. Uh, I remember having a meeting with one of their franchisees and, and they sell their shops in clumps, geographic clumps yes. to people. Yes. Though yes. Usually a franchisee you, owns you, you five or six yes. in a similar geographic area. Yeah. And he was showing me his app, which was tracking every store real time mm. on the types of pizzas, uh, the margin on each, the mm. number of mm. staff in each, mm. the, the backlog, the wait time for it. And he could shift staff from one to the other mm. if one was busier. And yeah. 
I was stunned at the technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How it's, it's probably one of the underappreciated uh, elements of, oh. of the business, absolutely. Made it so yeah. efficient, it was yeah. extraordinary. I had no idea. All right, so uh, a hold and a buy on Domino's. Uh, let's go back to the tech sector. Uh, your favourite, Rudy, uh, Killen, uh, wants a view on Newix. Now, Newix, software company, um, to provide services to the big end of town. Uh, Newix Workstation, uh, Newix Investigator, two of its, its products. Is, is this as good as Technology One? I recently tweeted that um, a turd will never become a diamond, no matter how much time it has. <laughs> uh, for those people that don't quite get Rudy's accent, <laughs> yes, he did say turd. Yeah, I did say uh, turd. Yeah. Uh, I always, I always, I mean, I know the, the principle. I mean, people take guidance from, uh, from ben Benjamin Graham, from Warren Buffett. You have to buy assets cheaply. What yeah. they usually forget is that those investors also emphasize the need for quality. So you buy quality assets for cheaper than they are supposed to be valued at, yep. and then you hold them for the long run. When it's when it starts with non-quality assets, see, I already lose interest. Right. I mean, no matter how cheap the share price will be, yes, there might be a bounce, and you can see on the price chart there. We have we've had bounces. I mean, more than I have fingers on my two hands, but ultimately the share price goes nowhere. Why is that? This is, with all respect for who, who has been connected to this company, this has not been a great company. It, it has underinvested in its, in its technology prior to the listing because it, yeah. needed, it needed to show some, some great numbers for the, to, to attract investors. Mm, mm. And it's basically paying. And that's even uh, leaving aside all the scandals in the background. And yeah. this is a black mark on Macquarie who, um, yes. who owned it and then brought it to the market and basically bamboozled investors. Let's be honest about it. For me, um, yes, it's cheap. Yes, it's beaten down. But in, 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 in same reference as with, as with Red 5, there is a, there is a, there is a risk profile. Yep. And I would rather own higher quality technology stocks yep. for the longer run then a very cheap one, but it's very doubtful whether it's, it's going it's to finish the marathon, basically. Yep. Yep. So quite for me, it's just a no-no. Yeah, quite a few of the, the panels here, here on the call are going, in a market like this, you just go with the best three in a yeah. sector. Yeah. Uh, don't, yeah. don't even worry no. about everybody and the, else. And there's two reasons for it. Cheap uh, quality stocks will still fall. Yeah. Um, so you, you, you get that command, but they will fall by less on yep. all being equal. And also they give you much better value in the long run. Yep, yep. Uh, Tim, what do you think of Newex? It has had a, a checkered year. I completely agree. Uh, sorry, completely agree. If, if you're already in it, I've got it as a hold. You know, Macquarie listed this thing at $5.31 um, in 2020. And look, it's just been a disaster. You know, it, it's, it's ironic because they, they do, you know, some sort of algorithm that um, allows unstructured data to be structured and it was used in the Royal Commission. And then now they're being investigated by ASIC. So it's just it's just amazing, isn't it? So you got a company that's not profitable. Yes, it's come off. It's it's you know, it's got a EV EBITDA of seven point one times that looks cheap. But when you think about ASIC is probably gonna, you know, apply penalty to them. Potentially their board members are gonna get sued. Yes, PI insurance will cover it, but our fear is that, you know, once the dust settles and, and if they have to roll the board, well maybe nobody good wants to join this company because clearly there's dodgy stuff going on. I mean the ex-CFO got done for insider trading. It was being investigated for it at least. So um, they've had a huge increase in um, R&D spending. So 15% increase in R&D headcount. 
that pulled their um, EBIT down to 82 percent down. Uh, for us, this is just this is really speculative yeah. stuff. Why would you hold uh, it the then market, if yeah, you're in it? Why would you hold it if you're in it? Yes, you've run down. You're sitting on big losses, obviously, and everyone's got to take their own advice with their tax situation and things like that. But wouldn't you? Aren't there better opportunities just to take a big goal? Well, I'd almost, I'd argue if, if you went into this in the first place, especially in the IPO, you're probably a risk taker already, right? So yeah. I think at this point in time, you know this is a very risky stock. And I guess um, if, if you're already taking a hit, I guess holding it and maybe it'll come back because the valuations don't look too bad now. But for, for new money, I certainly wouldn't touch it. Right. Okay. So I disagree with that one. My, my philosophy is it's never too late to sell. Right. And you see that with examples like, for example, in Appen. Yep. I mean, people have held on to Appen, Appen since it fell off from above yep. $40. Yep. And it just, in the hope, that the market doesn't care at what price that you bought it. Yep. And I think what we all often underestimate as investors is the mental capital. Hmm. Just the fact that you open up your portfolio and every day there's Nuix or Appen in your portfolio standing out, staring you in the mm -hmm. face, and basically asking oh. you, what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah. so, so I think yeah, you, you just I'll sell out, you free up your mind, yep. and you start looking for better opportunities. I went through that with Appen. Did you? Oh, well, there you go. I, I felt yeah. a new man yes, about exactly. six months ago. I just got, the weight falls, like, oh, falls off your shoulders. God, and look, yeah. your portfolio all of a sudden looks so much better. I hear where you're coming from. I hear where you're coming <laughs> from. All right, uh, Jamie wants a view, uh, Tim, on Coronado Global Resources, a coal producer, marketer and exporter. Mention coal if you don't have an ESG filter, and everyone goes, Weko, this is for me. Um, mainly metallurgical coals, uh, mines in Queensland, and also uh, Virginia and West Virginia in the United States. What do you think of Coronado? Um, for us, this is more of a, a trade. I guess short term, I think there's a little bit more bullishness in it. Um, but long term, I think you really need an exit plan out of old world energy. So just don't get your fingers burnt here. Um, you know, I think that you know, this, they've really benefited from these high coal prices and this uh, steel demand. Done a great job. Reporting was extremely strong, right? Group revenue was up 147%. Um, you know, they've, done a, they've, they've just been in the right place at the right time. Um, we don't like that, you know, because this is a spin-off from a private equity firm, EMG, we don't like that they still own a majority interest, so the, the free float and daily turnover is lower, um, potential corporate, uh, corporate decisions to be biased, uh, and, you know, EMG could still off their stakes, so this could be an overhang on the, on the, on the uh, stock. But, um, you know, this going, going into winter, we just still think there's a little bit more upside potential in it, but I definitely think that all this OPEC constricting supply all this um, high energy costs, it's just accelerating the move to green. So at some point, you definitely want to exit all the way out of this stuff. But right now, it looks okay for, for a trade, for a short-term hold. Okay, short-term hold. Um, Rudy, I suppose we've got to differentiate the difference between metallurgical coal and thermal. Metallurgical no. goes into steel mills. No. Thermal goes into power plants, power electricity power plants. Power yeah. plants. And this is for the time being the wrong call. Yeah? Yes. But, yeah. but having said so, uh, this is also the call that is um, going to stick around for longer. Yes. I mean, we are we are we are basically phasing out uh, the, the thermal. Thermal. And and BHP will 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 assure us all that this type of call will stay around for longer because green steel is not is not a reality at this point in time. Right. Um, 
I'm not a big fan, commodity stocks, again. Um, obviously, at the moment, it's the wrong type of call, and it's also because they, they operate in Queensland, and the Queensland government has made it very clear they want more money from, uh, from right. whoever operates there, um, which has then uh, led to BHP, for example, uh, refusing to make any more investments in Queensland. I mean, so you get some political plays there. I'm not, a, I'm, not a, I'm not a big fan, and in particular because the, it would appear the immediate outlook for steel production is quite doubtful. Mm. And that's why we see the likes of Sims and Bluescorp not doing very much in the share market. And this obviously is the extension of that. Yeah. Right? No doubt at some stage it'll, it'll, it'll rally because these things are cyclical, but we are staring in the face of, of, a, of a global recession next year. Um, I don't think you should be stacking up on these things ahead right. of a recession, maybe coming right. out of it. Um, and again, um, it's probably not cheap enough. Mm. So I would, at, at this point, I, I would it. wait. Yeah. What about thermal coal producers? Ah, uh, that's a question of how long, huh? Yeah. I mean, at the moment, that market is, is under so much duress, basically, on, on the supply side. Yeah. But we should all realize, uh, um, what you and, mean by and nobody thinks it's going to last. Yeah, right. It lasts for the time being. But what you mean by that is there's a shortage of supply. Now, Gaurav Sodhi from Intelligent Investor says yeah. that's because there will be no new mine approved by a government and no bank will finance a new mine. Yeah. So when it's, prices go yeah. up in thermal coal, you don't get new mines filling that with more supply. No. Because I, I, I agree that the, that the normal dynamics have been interrupted there, but I think, um, I think there will be still new supply coming on. Right. Maybe not from Australia, but there will be other countries doing it. Right. Okay. And I also think I agree with a uh, very important statement made by, by Tim earlier. Uh, the current situation will uh, is leading to, a, to an acceleration in investments into alternatives. Yes. And that will have an impact, yep. give it two or three years. Okay. All right. Let's uh, recap the uh, first five stocks and uh, stock of the day, baby bunting, uh, down about 40% today. Uh, both Tim and Rudy have it as a long-term buy after the shakeout today and the, basically the downgrade at the, the annual meeting. Both say it's, it's a good business. Uh, push pay, uh, Tim has a buy on it at these low prices. Rudy has a hold. Red five, a no from both. They if you're going to get into gold, get into the bigger producers like, like Northern Star rather than the, the minor ones. Domino's is a hold from Tim, um, a buy from Rudy, uh, Newix is uh, a no from Rudy, and, uh, and a hold from Tim, and Coronado, the same thing, a hold from Tim, and a no from Rudy. Um, here on the call, we've been tracking our own high conviction growth fantasy fund as picked by the Investment Committee. Uh, the latest episode of the Investment Committee meeting, which we filmed, so you can get an insight into the discussion um, and what the experts do in terms of putting together a portfolio and the things I talk about, uh, you can watch it on ausbiz.com. Uh, let's check the, uh, the portfolio at the October meeting. Uh, the committee removed Arden Leisure and Batcourt was trimmed uh, to add a bit more to Sol Pattinson. Incitec uh, Pivot was trimmed, the holding there as well. Uh, and Seek was added to the portfolio with its weighting funded by Ardent Leisure and, um, and Intertech Pivot, the cutbacks there. Uh, let's see how the portfolio is performing. And since the 1st of March, as a high conviction growth portfolio, it's up half a percent. Uh, keep sending in your requests for the call because that's a first filter 
to uh, go up to the investment committee. Baby Bunting will uh, be put to the investment committee at their next meeting as a result of today. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All right, uh, let's uh, take a look at this half hour. We're looking at Helios, uh, the Vanguard International hedged ETF uh, shares, uh, Chrysos uh, Corporation, Australian Property, and Goodman. Sam wants a view, Rudy, on Helios, yeah. our second largest pathology provider, third largest diagnostic imaging provider. Um, what do you think of Helios? By the way, very happy that uh, the committee agrees with me. Last time I was here, we uh, we put Seco. Yes. And they obviously agree. Yeah, <laughs> yep, they did. They did as a good platform yes, stock. Yes, exactly. And We'd yes, and coming back, the reason why, for example, uh, you, you go for the market leader for the best one in the sector. Yep. Um, unfortunately, that's not Helios. Right. Um, uh, that is Sonic. Right. I think that sector um, uh, has the wind in front of them now because um, they, they, they were very much amongst the beneficiaries of COVID and the lockdowns. And they're, and they're basically paying the price for that this year. So they ran the testing stations. And that, that was and so profitable, profitable for them. The margins they charged yeah. us, yeah. <laughs> yes. the taxpayer, well, not The taxpayer, yes. Not us, but the government. Uh, yes. The government, yes. and we have had to yes. fund it. And, that, and that was so profitable. Yep. Um, so now that's dropping away, and now you have to go back to uh, to, the, to the normal operation, which, which right. they were doing Business earlier. Business as usual. I mean, yeah. I, w I always think that you go you go with the stronger, the more the highest quality one, and in this case, that is Sonic. Having right. said so, I wouldn't be in a hurry for any of of the both right. because um, they are they are they are staring at quite some quite some negative comparisons this year, possibly even the, the year after. Okay. Uh, that, that's how much the, the stimulus was in right. 2020. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't be in a hurry. I must admit, every time I lined up and we had, yeah. we had a temporary marquee uh, in the car park of our local uh, surf lifesaving, yes. sort of down, down at the beach, I was thinking, God, this must be profitable with the queues. They're not paying rent for the marquee. They're just a marquee there with about five staff mm. and queues. But what are they charging the government for this? Well, and you saw it, for example, the results you saw it came for, out, for example, yeah, you saw it, for example, with Sonic. Yeah? I mean, basically, their, their base business almost went into complete lockdown. Yeah. Right? And they still made so much profits yeah. out of the alternative, S which was the testing. Sticking yeah? something up my nose yeah. and testing it. Uh, Tim, what do you think of Helios? Um, I agree. I, I think that um, Sonic is the better choice, but I, I like both of them. I mean. I think I think going into you know, the next six months or so, some of these defensives uh, and healthcare are going to hold up hold up quite well. Um, you know, the, the whole PCR testing um, coming to an end, well, that's well known, and, and I feel like it's well reflected in the share price now. You know, it's it's on a PE of 16.3 times, EV of a day of um, 5.7. It looks quite cheap. It's got a nice yield, um, three and a half percent, relatively low gearing. I just think that the downside is already in the share price and we should see recovery um, as elective surgeries roll back in. 
So I'm quite happy to hold a Helios uh, and a Sonic. You know, both of them are good to me. Okay, uh, you wouldn't be buying, just holding? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say hold, yeah. Okay, but in the healthcare sector, healthcare has been, like this came up um, yesterday when, um, when Ramsey Healthcare came up and after the, uh, the bids were being withdrawn and KKR got out of it and that premium was taken out of the share price, um, it was a buy from, uh, from Gaurav and Matham because I was saying, we have great healthcare stocks in this country and they tend to perform during down cycles in the economy. Yeah, I think that, I just think that there's like, for example, our, our probably pick of the healthcare is, is CSL. Right. I know you, yeah. you got the, the blood, you know, supply coming back in, you got the electric surges coming in. Um, I think that all of these healthcare stocks should do well. Right. Um, and I think that Australia in particular should hold up. So quite happy to hold these right. stocks. And, and for me, I've got CSL as a buy. I've got Sonic as a buy. Right. Um, Helios is probably just a little bit lower quality. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. CSL came up Friday as a buy as well from the, the panel then. Um, all right, Tim, Frank wants to be on the Vanguard, MSCI Index International Shares ETF, but it's a hedged fund uh, against the currency. Would you be in any um, international share ETF at the moment? Um, I, I think I think that the market has more downside in it. So I, I wouldn't be in any hurry to rush into this. Um, that being said, it's impossible to time the market right. So if any, if you do anything at all, you, you slowly dollar cost average in. But, but talking right. about this one, talking about the ETF itself, 0.21% ICR, which is very low. It's very cheap. Uh, it's Vanguard, but very competitive average spreads. Um, good farm to good liquidity. Um, looking at the index itself, it's all developed markets, you know, around 63% US. You know what you're getting with that. So it's mostly tech stuff, right? Um, I would say and absolutely makes sense to be hedged. I think the Australian dollar could continue to slip a bit more. Yeah. But any time it's below 68 cents uh, on the USD, it doesn't tend to stay there very long. And there's a good chance that the US goes into, you know, a proper recession um, and we don't. So um, I think that it makes perfect sense to go hedged. But uh, like I said, I just I just think that just hold off from the markets at the moment, especially international. There's yeah. no rush at all to get into this stuff. And, and on weakness, you would just slowly average in. Yeah. Um, we had an ETF come up yesterday and the uh, Rudy and the panel said, look, obviously if you're a, a trader and you're in for short term and that's the type of in investor you are, you wouldn't touch them with a the barge pole. But if you're, if you're just a normal investor and you want almost a savings account to put into that you're, you're just building up a, a share portfolio mm -hmm. over five years and you're putting in your hundred bucks a month or something yeah. like that, well then maybe that's a different story. There are, there, are, there are various scenarios, but I'm not against ETFs at all. There's also the scenario when you're a starter as an investor yeah. and it's very difficult, let's face it, it's very difficult yeah. to pick stocks that- And your dollar you know, cost averaging Exactly, down. not gonna fall. And, and in the long run, you're counting on inflation and, and, yeah. and higher, higher shares. Having said so, we should all realize that ETFs are, above anything, are a marketing product. So they're being sold yeah. to investors. And for example, last time I looked at, at this specific, specific one, it wasn't, uh, it was, it's now 71 or 72% US weighted. Yeah. That to me raises the question, like why am I buying international shares? I'm basically buying 70% US. Yeah. 
I'd rather then have an ETF. Now I have to make a choice because I think Tim is correct. The U.S. is probably facing a recession, uh, probably weaker U.S. dollars next year, and, and the end of uh, uh, QE. Um, that all might mean that we are going through a phase where the Australian share market actually might outperform on a relative basis. Right. So you're buying into an underperformer market. Uh, as long as the U.S. dollar is strong and the, and the Federal Reserve is, is hiking, uh, emerging markets are probably going <coughs> to underperform. Right. That's the other 30% with a little bit of Europe. Yeah. So I either have to make a decision now because if the U.S. performs, then the 30% is not really going to yeah, uh, carry you through. It's, it's either going to be a laggard or so why am I not taking an ETF specifically for emerging markets if I'm interested in emerging markets yeah. and one specifically for the US right. because then I can, it's yeah. much better to, to, to take Have that decision. Balance. The other thing is about the hedged, I'm not so certain because everyone who's in the US shares this year, they might face higher downside because of the share market support, yeah. but the currency compensates for a lot. If you hedge, you take away that element. Yeah. This year, that would have helped you a lot. Right. Needless to say that I think you will have to take a long-term view here. And I would argue that you don't go, don't be in a hurry here because I, th there was a fair argument to be made that the Australian share market has outperformed this year and will continue to outperform on a relative basis for much longer. Mm. Um, so you basically, you're, you're, you're at least in the, in the initial phase, you're going yeah. for an underperforming asset and putting your money there. Yeah. Uh, Dow's down, what, 20%, bit over 20, or, Australian or share market yeah. down 8 or 9. Yes, isn't yes. It? it's a big difference. It's a big difference if you don't include yeah. the fact that also the Aussie yeah. dollar has fallen. Would you use a short ETF to, no, never. Um, never. to hedge your portfolio? Never, never. I, I think we should leave that to the, to the professionals. As a, as a retail investor, I would never do it for the simple reason that um, bear markets have this, uh, this propensity to, um, to surprise. Yeah. And you get these really big rallies. And the other ob obvious observation is whenever I follow professionals who do both, go long and go short, they usually they usually lose money on their short oh. positions. Okay. <laughs> Tim? They're not as good at it as they, as they profess to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tim, what about you? Do you advise clients to use short ETFs as a sort of rather than get out of the market just as a, a safety net in a bear no, market? To me, to me that's, that's more gambling than investing. I think uh, I agree with Rudy. It's right. just, you know, let the professionals deal with that sort of thing. Okay. All right. Uh, Tim, Eon wants a view on Chrysos Corporation, the uh, um, SA services business for the, the mining industry. Uh, they have Photon SA technology developed by the CSIRO. So this company has uh, commercialized it. So what, what they do is when, is it when mining companies send in samples, they determine how much gold's in it or how much copper or whatever. Um, I must say, you've had a lot of very interesting stocks on today. Uh, this is another one where you know, it floated um, at $6.50 and now you know, the share price is obviously around $3 now, so it's not, very, not been very good. Um, very interesting technology. You know, they fire x-rays and they, they measure the gamma radiation that bounces back. Um, they lease these units to mines and laboratories on five-year contracts. Yep. And then you pay a utilization rate above a minimum amount. Um, they've got 48 leases out at the moment of a, an addressable market of 610. Um, I just think that you know this is this is a very speculative small cap stock, and it's even here it looks it looks fully valued still. So 
Uh, once, once again, my argument is if you bought this on the IPO, we, I'm assuming you're a risk taker in general. But for mum and mums and dads, I just I don't I don't think this is your sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I've seen some analysts research that they think that this thing's going to shoot to the to the roof. Um, maybe, but that, that's that's very you know that's very speculative. Okay. Uh, Rudy. Yeah, one of the most difficult things I always find with investors is assessing risk. Yeah. And and the bear market makes forces you to assess risk. Right. I mean, it's the difference between the stock that falls by eighty percent or more. And the one that only goes down by 18 or so. I mean, yep. 18 is still a lot. Yep, yep. But hey, luckily it's not 80. Yeah. I mean? And the yeah. share market does these things. For me, before today, I hadn't even heard about this company. Yep. I mean, and just when I saw CSIRO there, I <laughs> thought, oh, <laughs> gee, that's right, because they do great stuff. On a very simplistic philosophy, if a company lists and and it's it's less than four years listed. Yeah, if it's really, really a great company, you still get all the opportunities of the world to get on board at any particular time in, in, in the future. You don't have to be early. Okay. The earlier you go, the more risk you take on board. And I, in, in summary, this is a very small company, yep. uh, unproven, yes, a lot of potential, but they all have potential. That's not yep. the problem. And it's still a bear market. Yep. So I, I would, if I'm interested, unless I have particular knowledge that that my that might give me an edge somehow. Um, I, I would I would not be. I mean, and, I can probably put it, on my list to have to, to have a to have a watch over it, but yeah. I'm not putting any money there. But as we always say, you've only got 20, 25 stocks in your portfolio. You can't own them all. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. <coughs> so there are twenty five better stocks out there. Yes. Even though you might like that one. And it's also rule number one: don't lose money. Yeah. Rule number two: see don't, rule number one. Don't, yeah, don't <laughs> lose money. Um, Tim. Um, next stock, another ETF, um, the Australian Property Securities Index ETF from Vanguard. Uh, is this a good way of, of getting exposure to the property market? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, you know ETFs are low cost. So for, for people who don't like looking at their portfolios every day, it makes perfect sense. Um, you know, VAP is down nearly 30%. Um, listed property has been hit really hard here in Australia, whereas unlisted has held up quite well. Um, you know, there's good value appearing already. Talking about the um, ETF itself, you know, very cheap, 0.23% ICR, um, quality distributions, they've got 2.2 billion funds under management, 4.4% um, yield. Um, it's mostly industrial, commercial and retail here, very little resi exposure. And its largest holdings, uh, you know, Goodman, Centre Group, Dexas and Stockland, you know, these all look fine to me. You know, as bond yields in Australia go up to 4%, well, this thing took a big hit, right? You know, obviously with the cap rate, right? So yeah. when, when I think about this being mostly commercial property, well, our commercial properties look fine. You know, they're, you know, gearing's around 23%, which looks fine. Cost of debt has gone up, but a lot of these companies have their debt hedged, so it's like a one-off effect. Um, this is not like the GFC. The business models look good. Uh, for me, same thing again. I would just slowly average into something like this, mm. but, but I like it, and, and it makes sense on this weakness. Even if it has a little bit more downside, if you're not trying to time the market and you're just, you know, a, a nice mum and dad, just slowly average into something like this. Okay. All right, Rudy? This one I actually like, and, and, and because you should be timing the market here, because yeah. what, you were, what you're counting on now is that bond yields will not continue rising forever and ever. Yeah. And I think it's, it is a f there's a fair argument to be said, even if you take a little bit of space, over the next four or five months or so, bond yields will reach a peak and then will start falling, yeah. which basically frees up an ETF like this. It frees up the whole REITs sector in Australia. Yeah. 
No. Which are all trading at a massive discount. For that, partic for that particular reason. Yeah. It's, <clears throat> it's simply the share market uh, front running basically the bond market. So yeah. the, the, those share prices have fallen much more than directly implicated by, by, by the bond market. Yeah. On the assumption the share market is saying, like, well, let's take a margin here because bonds yeah. can go further than we think they will. Now, if bond, bonds, uh, bond yields at some point peak and then start falling, then all of a sudden not only can those share prices recover, they've been sold down too far yeah. in the first place. Yeah. I mean, now having said so, uh, this is two-thirds, maybe even more, uh, Goodman Group. Right. So you're basically buying Goodman Group and the rest. Okay. Right? You're basically buying Goodman Group on a, on a, on a dividend yield of 4.4%, yeah. which the shares won't give you. Yeah. I mean, but I think, similar as with the gold sector earlier, right. I think there's a, there's a fair argument to be made that, that you go a little bit anti-cyclical here. So and you, and you buy accumulating them, rates. You buy them here, mm. and, and instead of, uh, contrary to trying to pick which REITs, because yep. individually, yes, they might perform better, but the problem of the REIT sector here is not the growth, but it's the debt. Right. A lot of them have too much debt. Right. Maybe they raise some capital to get rid of the debt. Stuff. But uh, as an ETF here, you actually reduce your risk. But, okay, so... And 4.4% yield. Right, which is yeah, quite, but which it's is mainly good Goodman. So well, no, no, good so not giving you the yield. The other ones are giving you the yield. Yeah, yields. yeah. So but, but yes, would, the, the would you go into a, a purer yeah. rather than this Vanguard Australian Property Securities yeah. Index ETF well, into a purer yeah. property securities ETF that doesn't have such a big holding in good money? That's the that's well that's that's the consideration you have to make. These ones obviously have done it on, on, on market cap. Right. And Goodman Group is, is one of the largest stocks on the ASX. Right. That's why its weight is so so okay. so huge. But essentially you're buying Goodman Group on a four percent yield okay. here, which right. Goodman doesn't give you. All right. Which begs a question because our, our final stock today, thank you, Scott, for putting this through to us, is Goodman, <laughs> Goodman Group. Group. Yes. Full disclosure, I own it. Yeah, um, I have reduced my exposure this year, though, because oh. Oh, those bond yields, I mean, they'll, right. they'll kill you any, any time of the day. Right. But this is still, I mean, Goodman Group has not by coincidence become one of the, one of the largest stocks yep. on the stock exchange. I mean, these guys are survivors from the GFC, which they almost went, went under in that period, and they've learned their lesson. Today, not too much debt. Yeah. Excellent managed, uh, very, industrial. very steady growth. I mean, these guys keep on uh, surprising the market time and again by basically uh, having higher growth. Yep. Yes, there is still risk. Risk is if inflation sticks, sticks, sticks around for longer, bond yields have to go higher, uh, central banks have to tighten more than we think they yep. will. Probably not the right share price to own. Right. Um, at some stage, uh, the big double digit growth uh, will come out of that, but they will still grow at so five, six, seven. I own it. I think on the similar uh, premise as the ETF uh, that we discussed it. earlier, uh, you can definitely buy here, and right. and uh, that share price will at some stage will fly, I believe. Would you buy Goodman over a property ETF? Yes, well, because Goodman doesn't give you the yield, right? Uh, you would probably right. go for the ETF. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tim, what do you think of Goodman? Oh, I agree. I really like Goodman. You know, um, you know, it's a good quality company. It's it's a growth company. Obviously, it hasn't really got much income, so you, you can't. It's more of an asset manager now than a vanilla property REIT. Um, from their reporting, they've got like a ninety nine percent occupancy. So very mm. strong. Um, you know, gearing is very low. They've got a good um, pipeline of uh, <coughs> of about um, fourteen billion of um, 
of uh, new new books, uh, just sorry, new um, uh, buildings. Um, I just think just just be aware that it's a growth company. Be aware it's not. It's probably going to keep its payout ratio really low. They provided guidance around 11% earnings per share growth. That's probably a bit conservative. They could potentially beat that. Um, on a forward PE of 23, it looks fine. Um, really like it. But like like Rudy said, if you're an income investor, maybe this isn't good for you. But it's certainly buying on its weakness looks good. Okay. All right. Didn't I agree too often, huh? Uh, you did agree too often, but yeah, had a few differences, which is good, which makes for an uh, interesting debate. Uh, Tim, thank you for that. Good to see you. Thanks, guys. Uh, Tim Hazlem there from Catapult Wealth and Rudy Philippet van Dyke from FN Arena. Always good to see you, mate. Thank My you. My pleasure. Uh, let's recap the final five stocks. Uh, Helios, a hold from Tim and No from, uh, from Rudy, the Vanguard International Hedge Fund. Um, a no from both. Uh, Crossos, a no from both. Uh, the Vanguard Property Securities Fund is a yes from both for long-term uh, investors because you're going counter-cyclical and Goodman is a yes from both as well. Uh, so that's it for our show for today. Don't forget coming up on the small caps, Claude Walker, Rudy's old mate, uh, gives us three stocks which may benefit from electrification. Uh, plus uh, Stephen Gawley from uh, Acton Gen, uh, the chief executive, uh, tells us why the stock rallied yesterday. Now, don't forget, if you've got any stocks you want us to cover here on the call and for me to put them to our expert panel, uh, email them in the call at osviz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. And a reminder of all the stocks in the call's portfolio, head to osviz.co forward slash portfolio. We will see you same time, midday. Eastern Daylight Time tomorrow for another edition of The Call, but more of Ozviz coming up after this with the Small Caps and Nadine. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm.